When wine is on trial, the gossip is dishy. The judges are drunk. Wasted. The verdicts are random. So random. This is True Crimes Against Wine. Some new product <laughs> idea. Exploding boobs. Exploding boobs. Okay. It's like a fun little prank. Yeah. A first date prank. <laughs> first and last date. Yep. Hello. Welcome back to... True Crimes. Against Wine. I'm Topher. I'm Rachel. Topher is our wine expert. And Rachel is going to be our uh, cruise ship director today. That's right. <laughs> um, so I have some mixed feelings about our episode today. Oh, okay. Can we go ahead and pour glasses? Yeah, let's go ahead and start pouring. Okay. So I'm on the one hand, I'm extremely excited. Okay, and we did decant the wine. We did decant the wine, um, which I'll go into in just a second. Um, I'm excited for this wine because we are getting fancy today. This is an amazing, amazing wine from an incredibly exclusive region in Bordeaux. Mm. Uh, We're basically drinking wine royalty right now. Aren't we? Yeah, this is this is a big deal. Okay. Um, However, I am also very nervous about today. Okay. Because we're doing another fandom. We are. And our good friends slash boss producer and his wife are majorly into this fandom. Yes. So I really don't want to disappoint or piss off anybody. I think we will. I think it's, it's okay to know to that say, going in. I did. I told them before we started today, please manage your expectations. You know I'm not good with any, like, pop culture references. Yeah. So you have to understand that if I bomb the test today, the cross-examination, that is just me being consistent. You offer nothing but consistency. Yes. Thank you. Okay, thank well, you. All right. Well, let's, let's get that. into this. Okay. Yeah. So. Okay. Let's smell. I was going to sip it. Girl. After you just told me how fancy this wine is. Right. I'm about to gulp it down. Okay. Ooh, mm, it's rich. Yes. It's so lush. Yeah. And it's like. I'm getting earthy. Smell? Yes. It's okay, a like very. Yeah. Loamy. Yes. Yeah. Ooh, I like the word loamy. Yeah. that's And that's very characteristic of this region. It often so, is going to have like a very earthy kind of umami sort of. Nice. Can we can we go ahead and say what the wine is before we taste it? Yeah. So we are drinking a Bordeaux blend from Saint Estef in the Medoc region on the left bank of Bordeaux. Yes. Um, Very ancient. As we all know this. (laughs) Uh, This is going to be a. I believe it's an eighty-five. Yeah, it's an eighty-five percent Cabernet Sauvignon and fifteen percent Merlot, which is fairly typical of that area. Um, You're often going to have a higher cab percentage than okay. Merlot. I think it's interesting. They will usually cut it also with Cab Franc, which mm. is not present in this particular blend. I don't okay. know why. But the rest of the label is all fictional. Okay, so this wine is Chateau Picard. That's right. So we are doing Star Trek wine. We are. And this yes. is this is from the fictional vineyard from the spinoff series Picard of Star okay, Trek. Okay, yeah. So, you know, I don't know if you've seen that series at all, but... Just little clips. Yeah, so there, he, yeah. he ends up, you know, retiring and moves to his ancestral vineyard that yeah. he 
Yeah, so, which is pretty cool. So I love that they did that. And they, even on the, on the back, they have like a whole like fictional bio for the chateau and the wine. Yeah. Jean-Luc Picard. It's pretty amazing. It's pretty cute. I, I like when, they, when they're when they thorough like that. There's a lot of attention to detail. Oh, I think they have to be for Star Trek related things. Because yeah. there's even a little QR code here that if you scan it, it does take you to like more info on the wine. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. We'll so have we'll to do have that to, later. Yeah, we'll have to scan it later. Yeah. Um. But yeah, can we... Yeah, cheers. Right. Let's taste. Cheers. Mm. It's lighter than I would have expected. It is much lighter than I would have expected, too. And it's got a little bit more tartness than I would have expected as yeah. well. Yeah. But one thing I will say is, what was the year on this? Was it 2017? Um, I'll let you look at the bottle. You can Let's find it faster here. than I can. All I see is 86, and I know it's not from 1986. It's definitely not. No, that's from Bar 2386. Is that their zip? I don't know, actually. <laughs> um, I will say this label itself is extremely typical of a Bordeaux. Like, they did a really good job. Yeah, it's a very that. classy label. I think if you were in the store and you encountered this, you wouldn't immediately think, like, oh, it's a Star Trek wine. Oh, no, no. This is, it's super authentic. Yeah. Um, and it was actually made in... Bordeaux. Yo, so, like, yeah. This so is let's, from a but, really prestigious region. Right. This is not like a prop wine that they filled right. with like two buck check or right. something. <laughs> it doesn't have the date on here, okay. but I think on the website when we were ordering, it's a 2018. That sounds about right. It's a few years sure. old. Oh, is oh, this in the cork? Does it? Oh, it's 28. It's 2017. Okay. Oh, thanks, fact checker. So that's, you know, technically a little over four years okay. old, which yeah. is a, a Great sweet spot for a lot of wines. However, for this region, mm -hmm. we're actually drinking it really early. Okay. It's going to be at its peak in between like the 10 to 15 year range. Oh, so we should wait a decade. We should have waited a decade, <laughs> but I'm impatient. Yeah. The fans demanded this they episode. They did demand it. All right. So let's jump right in. Yeah. Here, let's. Uh... Yeah, it is tart. I'm getting the tartness. Kind of like a tart, juicy plum. I can see that. Like it's not. It's not that it's unripe. It's just mm -mm. tartness. It's very tart. Like the ones that are have like the yellow flesh. You know what I'm talking about? Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, kind of like that. I think this wine is going to give me wine mouth. I feel it. You've said that before, and it didn't happen though. So we'll just we'll look is out for each other. Is this just my secret bragging that I never get wine mouth? <laughs> <laughs> so all our skill. fans can see. Yeah, that was the one audition thing for uh, your job here at the podcast yes. that really just like solidified it. Yeah. I put on my resume, no wine mouth. No wine mouth. No <laughs> lies detected. Yeah. So let's talk about Star Trek. Okay. So Star Trek is one of those things that's so long, so ongoing, has such a massive fan base. Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of curious, like what your go-to point is for Star Trek. Okay. Because I think everybody has a little bit of a different thing, kind of depending on like your age. Right. Or just, did you watch it when you were a kid versus older? Mm -hmm. You know what? So tell me. So for me, I will say, first of all, mm -hmm. y'all at home, please don't hate me. This was, I'm a product of my environment. This was not You're something I chose. Our family was a Star Wars family. Oh, okay. So I was definitely exposed to a lot more of the Star Wars world, which was okay. also, I think, more compact, especially at that time. Yes, yeah. You know, this is before all of the sequels and the prequels right, and right, all right. that. I've never actually seen an episode of the original Star Trek show. Really? But I have seen some of the spinoffs. And like as okay. a kid in the 90s, like the early to mid 90s, I do remember my parents occasionally watching um, Next Generation. Mm -hmm. 
And so that's the one that I'm probably most familiar with, okay. um, which is, you know, fitting for what we're drinking right now because is, Captain are, Picard was yes. in that. And then I believe it's, no, it's not Voyager. It's Deep Space, space Nine. Nine? Yeah, that's, deep, that's, that's the deep, name. Deep Six? Yeah. <laughs> deep Space Nine. Fact checker, is that the one with the Borg and <clears throat> uh, Catherine? No. Okay, which, which one is that? That is Voyager. Okay. Yes. Okay. So Voyager, which happened like, what was that? Like late nineties, early two thousands or something. Yeah. So I have the whole list right here. There's so yeah. many. I know. Do you want to just dive into it? Yeah. Cause I think I'm kind of like you, like it was next generation, which was kind mm-hmm. of my touch point. Cause as a kid, my parents would watch it. So I would sometimes watch it with them. Yes. And then later as an adult, I went back and watched some of the original series. Um, I never really got into the ones like after next generation to me. It just wasn't as captivating. And I know a lot of people probably feel very passionately about their favorite yeah, iteration I'm of sure. Star Trek and, you know, send your hate mail to Topher. So there we go. <laughs> um, as you're getting into this, I am going to, because I need to take yes. this earring off. Okay, let's talk about your so earring. Much. Okay. Um, this, was, this is on loan to me from the collection of Producer's Wife. Okay. Um, and it was a present yes. for her. And it's one of the earrings that Whoopi Goldberg wore as her character Guinan yes. in Next Generation. So. Yes. It's very beautiful. It's gorgeous. It's like gold and like kind of a hammer and silver with some turquoise. turquoise yeah. And yeah. she actually wore this in a couple of different episodes. I was looking up pictures of it. Yeah, um, that's really cool. So we can cool. put that on our social media. So yes, absolutely. Put that next to the bottle. Gorgeous. Um, I'm going to keep it next to me because I'm hoping that it's going to bring me luck during the cross-examination. Okay. We'll Hopefully. See. We'll see. We will see. <laughs> All right. So uh, talk to me about the okay. different... So Star Trek started in 1966. Mm-hmm. Um, the creator was Gene Roddenberry. Had you ever heard of him? Prior to 1966, I had not heard I of him. I had not. So I that really not. put him on the map for you. Yes. Okay. That was that was kind of his big break, I would say. It, I would agree with you on yeah. that. <laughs> and also, wasn't there something about how, was it Lucille Ball that yes. kind of helped so make that happen? I remember hearing something yeah. about that at a certain point. So he point. marketed Star Trek as like a Western in space. I think that's accurate. Yeah, which I think is like makes a lot of sense. But he was secretly more inspired by Gulliver's Travels, mm, mm-hmm. like kind of going like you have this main group of characters traveling to these different places, encountering these different worlds and people. That's definitely also the aspect of the show that has captivated me when I've watched yeah. it. I really enjoy when they go to these far off places, and there's like they do such a good job of portraying like these rich cultures. It's they not do. just a like, it's not lazy writing at all. Like they really not, make you yeah. feel like this exists and we've just stumbled upon it. And there's so much more to dive into than we're even going to be able to cover in this one episode. Right. Like, no, it's, it's, really it's cool. a very well thought out, deep world mm-hmm. in Star Trek. Um, but yeah, so he, when he was approaching television production companies about it, he worked with Desilu, which was, Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz is like their production company. Yeah. And um, that was Desi Lou later became Paramount. So that's still what okay. Star Trek is under now. But, I did not know that. That's yeah, so interesting. Which is really cool. But yeah, it was Lucille Ball had a hand in getting Star Trek out to the world. I Isn't really that love lovely? that. Yeah, I really yeah, love that. So it ran originally from 1966 to 1969. Gene Roddenberry. I didn't realize it was such a short period Yeah, of time. we're going to talk about that in a second. Okay. So when he created the show, he had envisioned it as this kind of action, Western fun kind of drama, actiony kind of thing. Right. But also to kind of parallel some real world issues 
almost as a little bit of an allegory in certain things to deal with like racism, sexism, war, things like that. And I'm hoping we're going to talk about that in more detail soon because I think that's one of the things that really sets yeah, this absolutely. entire, I guess, universe yeah. apart from a lot of other science fiction and fantasy. Yes. So I'm excited to get into that. Yeah, so. the cast was made very purposefully diverse. Yes. Which in the 60s was a big deal. Yes. You had a black woman who was a lieutenant on Huge the deal. on the ship. First interracial kiss, if I'm right, right? Well, some sources dispute that. Either some, way. But a big interracial kiss between Captain Kirk and Lieutenant Uhura. Yeah. Some sources were saying, like, no, there were actually other interracial kisses on TV prior to that. Other sources say, no, that was the first one. So. Either way, this is the one that rocked the world. It, it was a big deal. And when... Um, William Shatner and Nichelle Nichols were filming that. They purposely flubbed the takes where they didn't kiss. So they would have to use How them when they did kiss. fun. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. That's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that starting the entire show off before there's any kind of, you know, buzz about it yeah. doesn't have this massive following. There's no no real plans to have these spinoffs and shootoffs and all of these things. Right. To have them immediately from day one have such a commitment to showing that amount of diversity. And not just that, but like one thing I've always noticed is that even in their alien races that mm-hmm. they portray, there are traits that are kind of common to those different races. Yeah. But they are not stereotyped within those characters. You know, you have... Worf, the Klingon with yeah. the uh, heart of gold, who's, you know, he's still very much a product of his upbringing and, right. you know. Culture. Yeah, culture, yeah. personality, mm-hmm. like all of that. But he's separate from what has been set up in the past that you would think of as a traditional. The characters don't come across as stereotypes. No. Yeah. And I think that's something that a lot of fantasy really lacks and, mm-hmm. and even sci-fi. Sci-fi has done a little bit better with it. More recently, but I mean, even thinking about some of the more beloved series like Lord of the Rings or something, dwarves are dwarves and they act like dwarves and they do this. Elves are elves and they act like elves and they do this. Humans are greedy and you should not trust them, which I mean, that's accurate, but still (laughs) very stereotypical. But like everybody kind of fits into these tropes and there's never, why is there never any intermingling? Well, in Lord of the Rings always. But we're not going to get into Lord of the Rings right now. Are you talking about the forced union between uh, goblins and elves that produce the orcs? Because that's really the only time that you have any kind of... between elf and human. Oh, that's... I mean, but that was a big deal. That was the other interracial kiss that rocked the world. (laughs) All right, let's get back to... You do digress. I'm just saying, like, I have a lot of respect and admiration from a... Even, like, a literature point of view. Yeah. Well, Roddenberry has... Said, like, he designed the show to be progressive and, like, his end goal was, like, I want to end violence. Like, he has very kind of hippy-dippy mindset. I love it. About it. Um, so, yeah. So, it ran for three years. Now, it didn't get quite the viewership numbers that I think it was NBC was the first network I was yeah. on. There was a fan campaign to, like, keep the show going. So, it ended up getting a third season, but they cut the budget for it uh, and moved it to the Friday night death spot. Uh, so, like, the numbers kept going down, and then the show went off the air. However, what kind of brought the resurgence back was that obviously did already have a huge fan base from the um, beginning. They started a short-lived animated series that only had, like, 20-something episodes. 
the back in like the in the seventies. Yeah. Oh wow, that's so. Fun. And the first Star Trek convention was in 1972 in New York okay. City. They were only expecting like a few hundred people, but like several thousand. That's awesome. There's yeah. no loyalty like like, like a fan fandom. base. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm telling you. Well, when we talk great. about fandoms too, I think this is one of the instances of like this first really big modern fandom that wasn't tied to music necessarily. Mm, interesting. When you think about like celebrity culture was already a thing, being really into a certain type of, you know, offshoot of that celebrity culture is really big. But Or it's even like, like genre. Music. Like sure. you could have like, oh, I'm super into Westerns and maybe they were having like Western conventions. But not to this extent. Yeah. And, yeah. Not, and not nearly as specific because it's, right. a, it's not a sci-fi convention. This is a Star this Trek. This is a Star Trek convention. Yeah. Exactly. That's really interesting. Yeah. So that really kind of kept Star Trek alive and going. They started making a bunch of different films in the 70s and 80s. And then the next Reiteration of Star Trek came back onto TV in 1987 to 1994, okay. and that was Star Trek Next Generation, where you have Captain Picard, Worf, Data, Jordi. Deanna Troy. Deanna. Yeah, she could uh, get it. Let's talk about Dr. Crusher. Yeah. That was a sexy cast, it, honestly. It, it was, was a, a very sexy se- cast. Like, <laughs> even, like, the difference between what Dr. Crusher as a beautiful but sensible doctor would yeah. wear versus, like... Deanna Troy's uniform, I'm like, I can see your labia. Well, let's talk about the uniforms for a second. Yes, let's. Okay. Because on the original show, despite it being like, we have women on the cast, it's like, but they still got to be sexy. Oh, they, uh, Nichelle Nichols' miniskirt? Oh, it was like, we're going to have all the women in miniskirts. I, but I love that look so much. If I could pick <laughs> if I could pick a uniform, you know I'd pick the one with the miniskirt. I know. I love how you're like, sexism is fine as long as it serves my costuming needs. Yeah. As long as you look fabulous. Like, honestly... <laughs> Is it really sexism if it's just, like, promoting the fabulous? I think, yes. <laughs> I think it still is, yeah. Well, agree to disagree on that. <laughs> Speaking of which, if you need to pull your skirt down a little bit, I'm seeing oh, a little too much. Oh, God. <laughs> Fingertip rule. Yeah, that's right. Oh, God. Yeah, so they would film the women in, like, these very soft focus lenses mm. to make them very soft mm-hmm. and appealing. Um, so it's, like, it's still kind of a little sexism snuck in. Yeah, kind of remains. Yeah. But, you know, what's a space adventure without a little sexiness? Um, it's funny because every time I see an episode of Next Gen mm-hmm. and Deanna Troy is in it, who is a beautiful Oh, I woman. loved her hair, too. Oh, my God, yes. Those big, poofy curls. I wanted oh, that. She was yeah. gorgeous. But it's always so funny to me that, you know, she's got this super sexy, mm-hmm. like, She's covered head to toe, except for that kind of slight V that doesn't even a really show. Bit of it, yeah. yeah, it's like a very top of her cleavage, but not really. Yeah. So very modest in that sense, but is so curve hugging and skin tight. Oh, yeah. It's just like. It, it's like a, a thin fabric. Yeah, too. it's basically a bodysuit. Yeah. And then between that and then when she like dresses out of her uniform and she's always in these like very revealing slinky gowns. Yeah. The fashion's amazing, but it always reminds me of. You know, in Star Wars, that George Lucas quote when uh, Carrie Fisher was asking, like, why can't I wear a bra? And Mm -hmm. George Lucas is like, because there's no underwear in outer space. (laughs) Right. I'm like, wow, I guess that uh, Roddenberry uh, was actually the uh, one who originally (laughs) thought that then. Well, yeah, they wanted characters to be sexy. And Roddenberry did work on the um, next generation for a bit, but he died in 91. So he died like right in the middle of that. His wife, his second wife, actually has been in every Star Trek thing until her death in 2008. 
as a just like, like a small producer. Little roles. Oh, she was an actress. Yeah, sometimes okay. doing like some behind the scenes work, but also maybe having like little cameos. And oh, stuff that's here fun. And there. Yeah, I like that. So after Next Generation was Deep Space Nine, which kind of overlapped by a year. That was ninety three to ninety nine. We had Voyager, 95 to 01, again, a little bit of an overlap. Voyager is the one that I have also watched just because of Fact Checker. Yeah. But, of course, Big Red from Orange is the New Black is the captain in that. And then- She um, looks so good in Voyager. Oh, she does. She really does. She really has that, like, mid-late 90s, like, hair swoop going on. Yes. And then there's the one who's, like, she's the member of, or she's she's a Borg, Mm -hmm. but she isn't, like- an actual crew member. Mm-hmm. And again, that kind of points to like, they're always finding ways to show people's complexities and good sides. But it's also an example of, damn, okay, you walking around in like a freaking see-through bodysuit right yeah, now. Yeah, basically, yeah. Like, boobs high and tight, looking fantastic, but yeah. damn. Yeah, they made the woman name? very like, sexy. Seven I'm... of nine? Yeah. Six of one, half a dozen her of the other? Her name was 69, Yeah. <laughs> That's right. It's some it's something using math and you know We know how we are with math. Yeah. <laughs> this is not a math podcast. So they had Voyager Enterprise then Discovery which is still going on now. Yeah, Picard. Just that some. And there's a new one coming up called Strange Worlds. Oh, Dis- that should be fun yeah, from what we were talking about. It should be fun. Now Discovery, Picard, and Strange Worlds are all streaming. Which I think is just where television has gone now yeah. at this point. So. 100%. We definitely Yeah. That's all we do is stream. But there have been movies, the animated show I mentioned, books, mm. comic books, video games. I have seen the movies stuff. with the original cast. Okay. So I do I do have like a working understanding of who these people are. So you've seen like the William Shatner, yes. Leonard Nimoy. Okay. Yes. And I think, isn't there one even where like Captain Picard ends up crossing paths with? Yeah, there have been a lot of like kind of timeline yeah. crossing. Mm-hmm. Now, I, fun. I will say oftentimes when I watch the movies, mm-hmm. I am drinking. And so okay. sometimes, <laughs> and I don't think I've up. actually watched them in order either. That's fine. So I can get very confused about what's happening and who people actually are. Well, funnily enough, some of the episodes kind of aired out of order. Oh. Because, you know, it, like the captain would always be like, captain's log, star date, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And fans started noticing that, like, the star date numbers were out of order. And that was because when they filmed them, sometimes they would film them in a certain order, but then they would be broadcast in a different order. Interesting. So they kind of explained it, like, with this weird, like, well, you know, time works differently when you're going, like, warp speed. And, right. like, you break the light and sound barriers. Right. And we know this. It's just a silly, like, science Which is also why you can't wear underwear. It would explode. It would. Do you want your boobs exploding? No. <laughs> Sounds <laughs> like the right answer. I'm going to go with no, but maybe. Okay, so. Maybe that's how I go. <laughs> some new product idea. <laughs> exploding boobs. Exploding boobs. Okay. It's like a fun little prank. Yeah. A first date prank. <laughs> <laughs> first and last date. Yep. When you know the date's not going to be good, why not make your boobs explode? Honestly, I've been on some dates that were bad enough that I. You would just like want to deploy the boobs. I'm like, yes. Yeah. Can we can we please deploy the exploding boobs? I will take myself out right now just to now, be is done it with like the situation. a firecracker situation? I think that you could have different levels to it. <clears throat> okay. For sure. Choose your own adventure. Choose your own adventure. Yeah. Got it. Okay. All right. Let's um top up. Okay. And talk about the wine a little bit mm-hmm. before we. Go into our other Star Trek info. Yeah. Well, you know, we're talking a lot about these fun different worlds. Mm-hmm. I'm going to pass this to you to refill for me. Let's see if I can do it. So let's talk a little bit about the world that is Bordeaux. 
perfect pour. Very well done. That's what they call it. It's me. difficult to pour out of some of these decanters without dribbling. It I know. It just has to be something that you're like willing to let happen. So I wear black pants today. Yeah. So <laughs> Bordeaux is along the western side of France. Okay. And it's located where there's kind of a an inlet of rivers that come in and form a port. Okay. And Bordeaux itself is actually the largest wine region in France. Okay. 700 million bottles are produced per year there. That seems like a lot. Again, I don't know math, but... 700 million is larger than I can comprehend, so that does feel like a lot. Okay. So they produce anything from everyday table wine to some of the most expensive wines anywhere in the world. Okay. There are more than 8,500, 8,500 producers, which are also... They're called chateaus there. Okay. Which, that's a lot. That's a lot of different producers doing things. And there are 54 specific appellations, which are official sub-regions. That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah, okay. You've got your left bank and your right bank, Mm -hmm. and they're doing kind of different things on each of those sides. France loves to have, like, pick a side of the river. Oh, they really do. They really do. (laughs) The wine was first introduced there as an agricultural thing by the Romans, which I think is pretty typical. I will say this white male here is not a fan typically of like colonizing. Typically. typically. However, in the case of the Romans, I'm really grateful that they like shared their wine techniques with like all of these incredible wine regions that okay. we have now. I mean, thanks Romans. Like, Is it colonization when it's thousands of years ago? That's what I'm wondering. Like, what's the cutoff point? <laughs> When does it become okay? <laughs> like, if the people who live there have been benefiting from this system for <laughs> thousands of years, like, at that point, is is it, like, an okay situation? I think we're kind of verging to a different kind of podcast territory here. I think we need to pump the brakes. Uh, let's get back to some facts. <laughs> okay. Less opinions, more facts. Yes. I thought this was very interesting. Bordeaux wine became really popular in England. By the way, that's hmm. what Claret is. If you've ever oh, been I, watching I a that. period piece I or have. reading a book and they're like drinking a glass mm-hmm. of Claret, that's just what the English refer to red Bordeaux wine as. So you're having a glass of Claret right oh, now. Oh, I'm fancy. Yeah. Like I'm on Bridgerton. And it's very much an upper, upper class thing and they still market Ooh. it that Ooh. way in England. But the wine became popular in England in the 12th century. Okay. Following the marriage of Eleanor of Aquitaine okay. to uh, Henry Plantagenet, oh, who was the king at the time. Henry. And so she basically, as part of the marriage, had like exclusive rights to the wine. So she's the one who was like bringing it up and selling it to the English to make a shit Damn money. girl, yeah, make that money. Now, Eleanor of Aquitaine is a famous figure. For those of you who haven't put this together yet, she is the mother not only of Richard the Lionheart. Oh, very famous English king. Yeah. But also Prince John, who oh. took over for Richard the Lionheart while he was imprisoned, mm-hmm. uh, I believe, by the French during the Crusades. I I'm pretty sure. We'll go with that, yeah. Either way, when Prince John was basically Prince Regent ruling over England in mm-hmm. his brother's stead, mm-hmm. he was friends with a real figure who was advising him, the Sheriff of Nottingham. So cool. These people were all real. Like Robin Hood is a folk legend. But based on real but people. But based on all, yeah, and, and real events that were actually happening cool. during that time. Well, Eleanor, look at you. Yeah. Bringing wine in for so, people in England to right? enjoy and then rob. Them, Super fun. 
In the 17th century, mm-hmm. Dutch traders drained the marshy ground in Medoc, which is the overall region mm-hmm. where this is from, and they planted grapes. I, first of all, I have so many questions about how in the 1600s you were able to I drain know. a swamp. I don't know how it works now. Right, exactly. I know that they have like shop vacs for when your basement gets flooded. And I don't mean the other type of basement. Right, flooded, I know. You know what I mean? I know. Is it just a giant shop vac? I have no idea. It's amazing to me that people hundreds and thousands of years ago could figure out things other than basic like put some sticks over a branch and now I've got a shelter. Well, we do know now <laughs> very clearly what Rachel's grasp of engineering is. Very low. Very poor grasp of engineering. Um, I would die immediately if I were left in the woods is my point. I also wonder, like, how did they how did they have the foresight to know this marshland here that's completely unusable? If we drain it, we'll be perfect for well, growing grapes. I mean, the Dutch you said to this? Dutch traders. Well, their whole country is basically a marsh. I think that's I think they probably brought like the French brought them in to do this like, is hey, what I would it think. Out. Yeah. Like a, like a consulting firm yeah. kind of situation. Like you guys are at sea level, you know what to do with but, water. But and my land. question is what made them decide, hey, this grapes? swampland here, let's grow some grapes in it. I don't know. Because I mean, it basically at that point it started to surpass what was then the most prestigious part okay. of Okay. Here's an idea. We talk to the writers on Picard. We get them to do an episode where we guest star as the Dutch swamp people, I guess. So they're going back in time. Yeah. I don't think they're swamp people. Well, in my version, they are, okay? It's more, if they're think Dutch, of the costumes, Topher. I was thinking more of like, they're dykes. Okay. Because they're Dutch and they... Sure. Yeah. They're so dyke people. Yes, we can do that. But we'll get Patrick Stewart mm-hmm. to let us on the show. He'll travel back in time and we'll be like his ancestors establishing his chateau. Yeah. I do have beef with <gasps> Patrick Stewart. Oh. Longstanding beef. What? Why? Um, I will get back to that in Well, now time. I want to know. Jeez. So, as I was just saying, this particular region, Madoc, after they drained the mm-hmm, swamp, mm-hmm. ended up becoming the most prestigious subregion within Bordeaux, where all oh. of the best wines were being made. And interestingly, hmm. up until the mid-19th century, mm-hmm. it wasn't Cabernet Sauvignon and Merlot that they were growing. It was your old friend Malbec. <gasps> I love a Malbec. I know you do. Isn't Good that so you. funny? Yes. So, yeah. So that's a little bit about the region. Okay. Tell me about your beef with Patrick Stewart. Okay. First of all, I am going to, because I'm a self-aware person, I understand that this is wrongly placed it's misplaced anger oh okay but it's still justified anger okay so kind of like rachel rules yes very okay. much that's <laughs> my rachel rules are usually about my emotions okay. and how i want to pass blame on to people fair so when i was a student mm-hmm. um like you i went and did a study abroad in great britain mine mm-hmm. was in london mm-hmm. and you know it was one of those trips that was supposed to be like a short semester kind of trip mm-hmm. get to experience culture and things like sure. that and then you come back i ended up staying until the following year Mm -hmm. so that I was kind of for the first part of this next batch of students trip was Mm -hmm. able to kind of sit down with them and like talk to them about my experience, show them the ropes a little bit. But in my first, the first part of my trip where I was the student, we got to go and experience some really cool pieces of theater and, you know, go to all these different museums. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that they did was they wanted us to be able to go and see a modern play. We obviously mm-hmm. did the Globe Theater and Shakespeare. And yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah. So the modern play they took us to was this stupid ass play that I don't even remember. Like <laughs> I, I couldn't figure out what was what it was about. We were all arranged around the stage, but looking down on it. 
there were two actors, Mm -hmm. but like 10 different characters. There were no costume changes. The only props was a door and a fucking chair. Okay. And I'm supposed to keep track of like what the fuck is happening in this goddamn play. It was so stupid. I hated it. Where does Patrick Stewart figure in? So the next <laughs> the next batch of students that comes in a year later, okay. their itinerary is planned. Okay. And they get to go see for their modern play, a play that's co-starring Sir Ian McKellen uh-huh. and Sir Jean-Luc Picard. <laughs> was that what was on the playbill? I assume. Okay. I didn't get to see it because I wasn't invited to go along because I wasn't a current student on that trip. So you're mad that you did not get to see Patrick Stewart. He should have reached out to me and been like, I heard about how terrible your previous experience was and I want to redeem right. your love of modern theater. Right. He's like, not all London plays are bad. Exactly. Over. And he didn't do that, Rachel. Well, that's fair. I think you should. You know what? Cheers to your anger at Patrick Stewart for not Thank giving you. you an invitation to his play with Thank Ian McKellen. You. I was very upset and I'm still upset. You should be. You should tell him. Come on, Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Is he here? Yeah, he's been behind the door waiting for his cue. I know that he's a lot older than me, but I think he could take me. I think he could. He too. seems like he's in very good shape. I think, yeah, I think he could take you on. Ugh, Sorry. God. Ooh. So tell me some more about Star Trek. Okay. What well, are some how other about, things I need to know? How about I tell you in our cross-examination? Oh, fuck. Okay. <laughs> okay. So I know that you lived in the cult. Yes. So I'm trying to make this cross-examination accessible to you. Oh, thank you. Accessibility is very important. Yeah, so it's going to be true-false. So you have a 50-50 shot. Yeah, you're welcome. And shout out to Gail for helping us with this. Yes, thank you, Gail. You're amazing. Yes. All right, so it's a true-false quiz. Okay. Okay, I have... Let me get my pen out. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine questions. What number do you want to start with? I'm, I'm going to start with one. I'm going to roll the dice on one. Okay. So, you know, in the beginning of the show, when they say to boldly go where no man has gone before. Yeah. Yeah. So that phrasing came pretty much verbatim from a White House booklet on space exploration. True or false? Oh, that's hard. Mm -hmm. I can definitely see it being true. So I'm going to go with true. Yeah. Oh, congrats. Celebratory sip. Yeah, so the White House put out a little booklet on space exploration after Sputnik. And they're like, oh, shit, we got to get into space, too. Right? Can't so that was Russians being yeah, ahead of the game. That was one of the phrases that they used in there. I love it. And Star Trek was like, that's pretty good. <laughs> Ron Barry's like, damn, that writing. He's like, that's pretty That pretty writing, nice. though. All right. So number one is done. All right, next one. Okay. Going to roll the dice on number nine. Number nine. Okay. So, William Shatner. Yes, true. Yes, he is a person, true. <laughs> Who did he play? What was his character? He played Captain Kirk, right? Yeah, you got it. Okay, good job. Captor, Captain. Captain. Captain Kirk. Ca- Captain. Captain William. Nope. Captain Cameron Kirk. Yep, he was Kirk Cameron. Cameron Kirk Cameron. Kirk. Cameron Great Kirk on Cameron. Great start to this question. Um, Captain. This isn't the question. I was just curious if you knew. Oh, what is his first name? James Tiberius. Yes. yes. Oh, Tiberius is a great name. I know, too. isn't it? Yeah. I'm going to name my dog Tiberius. Yes, you should. That's a good dog name. We're a gerbil. <laughs> a very valiant gerbil. Yeah. So William Shatner hosted SNL in the 80s, and he was in a skit where he was playing himself at a Star Trek convention and insulting the Trekkies or Trekkers. Sometimes people prefer certain words out there. And it really pissed off fans in real life. So true or false? Oh, that's hard because I can see that being 
a skit. Mm-hmm. But I think it would be really stupid of Star Trek fans to be pissed off by a skit that's clearly satirical and okay. spoofy. Okay. I'm going to go with false because of that clause. But I, I do think that it really happened. You're wrong. Take a drink. Oh, my God. Which part? Was it all? It was all true. It was all true. That's, oh, fans, so, fans need to not do things like that. That was. So some of the lines from the skit that he said was, you all have like, and I'm paraphrasing here, but he said like, you all have turned this into an obsession and identity for a role that I just did for money a few years, blah, 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 blah. And in real life, William Shatner is a dick. So I, I actually was going to ask yeah. about that because I have heard that he's not always the best person. No, he's, he's not. I think that he's definitely gotten a lot of fame and benefit from Star Trek and, and likes that aspect of it. I think what he doesn't like is the people's deep love and sometimes obsession. Let's be real. Which can be hard. It. Yeah. Oh, sure. But sorry, that's also kind of the risk that you take when you are sure. going to be a celebrity who's I, playing these roles. I think with him, his tone often comes off as very condescending toward the fans. I think that's also partly just his tone. Yeah, I think that's just kind of how it goes. Yeah. I have heard that Leonard Nimoy was actually like a really amazing person. A really good person. Yeah. 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 All right, next, next number. Two. Okay. So Gene Roddenberry, the creator of Star Trek. Is that spelled like... Like Jean-Luc, or is it spelled like Jean G-E-N-E. from Bob? So Bob's Burgers, yeah. Jean. Mm-hmm. Okay. Not a, not a fun, it's not a Jean at all. So Jean Ron, like the splicing. Yes. Jean Roddenberry had an affair with Nichelle Nichols, who played Lieutenant Uhura. True or false? Oh, I hope false. Okay, any reasoning behind this? Because you know how I feel about people having affairs. Okay. I frown upon it. Okay. And I love... That's Topher's hot take. <laughs> I frown on affairs. I frown upon. I'm so sorry. I messed yeah, up Thank you. Thank take you. Take two. I frown upon affairs. Yeah, don't misquote me again, Rachel. I'll try not to. <laughs> but I, I really love Nichelle Nichols. Yeah. And I think that she's such an incredible role model to so many people. And so people can make mistakes, but I just hope that that's not one that she did make. Take a drink, you're wrong. Oh, no. Yeah. So... Did she ever apologize? No. Oh, Here's, no. Well, maybe, but here's the deal with Gene Roddenberry. He's kind of a shithead to his his wives and family. So His wives? Yeah, he's married twice. Okay. He had At been, the same time? No. That's good. He was married the first time very young. Like, he got married and he was 21, 22. Stayed with his first wife for about 20 years, but had been cheating on her and having affairs the whole time, including with his second wife, who he started to date while he was still with his first wife. <laughs> Shut up, fact checker. <laughs> You can't have functions. Oh my checker. God. <laughs> All right. Are you ready? I do, I'm completely thrown. I'm done. I'm completely thrown off. Topher's now. walking. I can't do this. <laughs> this is some bullshit. <laughs> Took me completely out of my scene. That's right. So, no, Gene Ronberry cheated on his first wife with the woman who became his second wife. He was seeing her the same time he was seeing Michelle. Michelle was like... This is a lot to juggle. It was. I'm sorry. Michelle knew that he was in an open relationship with his mistress, and he was planning on planning on leaving his first wife, so whatever. I'm going to cut Michelle some slack in this case, okay. then. It sounds like she was just like, listen, I'm trying to get my rocks off, and you've got shit going on right now, so clearly I'm not the one who's actually contributing to this mess. Well, she said she didn't want to be the other woman to the other woman. Take that what you will. Of that what you will. Okay. So she ended the relationship, but they obviously remained, she, she ended it. remained 
friends and close. And she actually sang at his funeral in 1991 oh, with his wife. singer? Blessing. Yeah, apparently. Oh, wow. Well, maybe it didn't go for her. <laughs> or maybe she was just like, you know what I'm going to do today? And it was really, his it was really off key. Where it was like, we can't say anything because yeah. it's a funeral. And it, just to be clear, she was operatically humming the theme song to Star Trek. She wrote. There were no lyrics. So two, two songs she did. One was called Gene for him. Okay. I think the other one was like a traditional, like kind of, I think maybe I want to say Amazing Grace, but it could be wrong. Okay. Or like a traditional kind of funeral song. He continued to like have affairs and. After his death? No. He was one horny ghost. (laughs) I mean, I know about rigor mortis, but Jesus. Jesus. No, like in his marriage to his second wife, he continued to have affairs. That sounds like a real shithead. Here's the other thing about yeah. having affairs. That Which I don't know what his wife knew or was okay with or what doesn't. they said was no. like open or not. No. Like she seemed very devoted to him. He did not seem as devoted yeah. to her. So I am always blown away when I hear about people having long-term affairs mm-hmm. or multiple affairs. Who has the time and the Energy for that. Energy is what gets me. It sounds exhausting. I know. Also confusing. Imagine having to be like up on your shit all the time. Like you've got to have your cover story. You've got to keep your story. Like especially the ones who the the women, like the other woman doesn't know that she's the other woman. Mm -hmm. You know, when you find out like, oh my God, he's been married for the last five years. Right. We were engaged. Right. How do you keep that shit straight? Well, I think they usually don't. And it ends with. I think that some um, of them, someone's some finding of them, out. I do think for some of them, it's like a pathological thing where like it is, part yeah. of the fun for them is not even just the having Cheating, sex with another right. person. It's they get off on it's the, the whole, lying. Like, yeah. yeah. And just to clarify, like that's different than having like an open relationship or polyamorous relationship. Like, nope. That's not what you said last night. You said that they're exactly the same thing. And I have you on tape doing it. <gasps> Where'd you get a tape? <laughs> At the thrift store. Okay. Wait, where did you get... A device to record this. Thrift store? At the thrift store. Okay. At its separate thrift store. Oh, you went to two separate They were not stores. conveniently located next okay. to each other. Well, you know what? I admire your dedication. But it did make me feel like I was having an affair. Oh, you Going from one, one thrift- store to oh, the yeah. other. Yeah. Okay, what number do you want next? What did I just do? Two. Okay, I would like to do eight. Okay. So we're going highs and lows. High like lows, we're going to meet yeah. in the middle? Okay. Mm-hmm. So number it's, eight. We're drinking, and I would like to keep track of what I've already done. Sure. So. Okay. So, you know, Star Trek... Oh, no. Star Trek? Yep. This was, is the Eastern European spinoff. I was writing a check mark, so I just said the word check out loud. Star Trek. Wait, you've had a pen with you this entire time. Mm-hmm. And yet you don't keep track of which ones I get right and which ones I get wrong? No, I go on my gut. <laughs> you've gotten one right and it's two wrong. It's been a year of this, and you still make fact checker keep track of like a 30-minute long cross-examination Here's when you have thing. a pen in your hand Tell the entire time. What are we, if not a courtroom with a real stenographer? And that's fact checker's job. Who does not have a pen or a computer. But in fairness, he's not drinking along, so. That is fair. He has a better mind. That we know of. (laughs) That we know of. Who knows what's in that coffee? (laughs) All right, number eight. So Star Trek Next Generation, you remember Data? Yes. Whom I love. Yes. I love that character. He had a cat that he named Cat. True or false? I know that he had a cat. Mm-hmm. And I know that he had the cat because it was supposed to teach him about human emotions and like empathy right. and things. Yeah. 
I don't remember what he named it. Cat seems like something that he would name it. I'm going to say true. As an android kind of be like, yeah, cat is named cat. Yeah. Sort of thing. I'm going to say true. You're wrong. Take God damn it. What is the name? Because I know. Spot. It. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. Like, I'm going to take the traditional like dog name and just apply it to a cat. I love it. Yeah. I really, really love that. Yeah. That's. Yeah, that's even better than cat. Yeah. <laughs> it's like close enough. Close enough. All right, next number. I'm going to go three. Three. Okay. I'm very upset that you figured out my pattern, my very complex pattern. <laughs> of one, nine, two, eight. I'm going to anticipate seven will be after three. Well, we'll see, won't we? I'm not a mathematician. We will see. So I could be wrong. All right, so back in 2020, mm-hmm. remember that time? Yes. When COVID was all the rage... It still is. It's it's still in conservative around. pockets. It's become a little passe. <laughs> well, if you're part of the liberal elite, then yeah. yes, it's very passe. Like, but I already did COVID two years ago. So the U.S. our effort in the country was to get a vaccine going was called right. Operation Warp Speed because the doctor who was leading it really loved Star Trek. True. Yes, take a drink. That is true. Do I think it's just so fun and nerdy? I love it. Yeah. They're just like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's have some fun with COVID. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's have some fun. Let's bring the fun back into COVID. Right. Why can't we have fun with a global pandemic? Right. <laughs> okay. You ready for seven? Um, No, actually. Oh, hot damn. What number? I'm going to go number one. Okay. Which is my way of saying I got to go drain the lizard. Oh, it's a lizard? Does that have feet? Sometimes. Wait, if you break the tail, will it grow back? It does grow back. Okay, learn something new about men's anatomy every day. (laughs) Things they don't teach you in school. That's right. All right, well, now that I have gone number one, just for number twos and chuckles, let's go with number seven. Okay, so this is actually a Whoopi Goldberg question. (gasps) Ooh. Which I'm so glad that you wore her earring today. Yes. I hope it brings me luck. Okay. You are refilled on wine. Thank just you. Just in case of you getting it wrong. <laughs> Thank you. So, so, Love the uh, vote of confidence there. Yeah. So on Star Trek Next Generation, Whoopi Goldberg was a cast member. And she played the ship's teacher. True or false? Mm, tricky. Okay. In a sense, true. Okay. However, that was not her... The name of her occupation. What was the name of her she occupation? She was a bartender, right? Yes. And, celebratory sip. And she was very much sort of like the other counselor. Okay. Kind of the foil to Counselor Troy because she, she would help people with their problems. Advice, yeah, she yeah. was very wise. Yeah, you got it right. Celebratory sip. Let me pull up the exact name. Do you remember the name of the bar? I don't. Okay. Let Space me pull. Seed. Ten yeah, 10 forward. forward. Yeah. 10 forward. Yeah, that was the name of that. I always loved her headwear that she had. Oh, she had some really great early 90s fashion moments. Oh, yeah. The jewelry was always on point. She had really cool robes. And what I found really interesting was I don't really actually know a lot about the background of her specific character, other Mm -hmm. than that I believe she's human. Yeah, she's human. I'm saying yeah really confidently. I was going to say, I I don't know that to be true. Based on seven-year-old memories from same little Rachel, I'm going to say yeah. They included a lot of really fun things into her costume that kind of alluded to African heritage because she is a black woman. She wasn't woman. human? She's not human. She's El Orion. Oh. Well, I don't know what El Oria is, but I love that they <laughs> I love that they honored Whoopi Goldberg. But I view them as human. <laughs> Clearly. Whoopi Goldberg's always had kind of a I, I love to show my African roots kind of yeah. 
persona. Yeah. And I like that they found a way to do that in space without it being like overtly African. It just, it had a very cool sort of. Yeah. It was kind of, it was cool and like futuristic, but also like, oh, I could see somebody actually wearing that. Yeah. Yeah. Afrofuturistic is a nice way to describe it. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think I would love to hear from like the costume designer for Black Panther. If, Mm. if, she was influenced any by any of these other, yeah, these other science, yeah. sci-fi kind of yeah. things. Yeah, be that's a good question. All right, are we going to go number four? Let's go number four. Okay. So you know there have been recent Star Trek films, right? Within like the past decade. Yeah, the ones with Chris Pine. Yeah, have you seen any of those? We'll say yes because <laughs> I was not sober, but I did watch them. Okay, that's fair. So the first one of those with Chris Pine and Zachary Quinto was called Star Trek. Right. Came out in 2009 and it actually won an Oscar. True or false? I won't say what the Oscar may or may not be Oh, that's for. so unfair. I know. <gasps> um, I'm going to say yes because it could have very easily been for like visual effects okay. or something like that. Take a sip in celebration. Yay! Do you know what the Oscar, it was not visual effects, I'll tell you okay. that. Was it? Hmm. Give you another guess. Was it mixing? No. Editing? No, it's for makeup and hair. Oh, okay. Yeah, I can yeah. see that. Which makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So those... Zeldana's in that, right? And she had like yeah. the. She was Lieutenant O'Hara in this yeah. version. Yeah. So I will say these recent films have been criticized for the amount of lens flares. That if you go and you watch them, they are a bit much. What is a lens flare? Okay. A lens flare is, let me take a sip. When you have a camera and you get it in sunlight, like that burst of light Mm, on mm -hmm, it. mm -hmm. So they were going for, I think, realism. I mean, obviously, those are all digitally done because they weren't actually in space so far. It was not filmed on location. No, it was not filmed on location. Oh, my God. But the the other Star Trek. Yeah, and like these little like bursts of light. I need to go back to that. The other Star Trek shows and were filmed in space. Yeah, they were. Yeah, just the budget, you know, and then. 21st century was not as great. Oh, yeah. Conversion rates. Yeah. Inflation. Infl- oh, inflation. Uh, recession. Don't, don't get us started. Inflation, recession, economics. We know economy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Are we going number six now? We are. Okay. So also Star Trek Next Generation. Okay. And when they were starting the cast, the show, you know, the character Jordy. Mm-hmm. Okay. Who we know is played by LeVar Burton. But, Butterfly in the sky. Right. Love LeVar Burton. He's great. He is the best. They were considering other people for the role before they finally settled on LeVar Burton. And Eddie Murphy was one of the people they were considering. True Ooh. or false? <laughs> Remind me, 91 is when? 87 to 94. 87. Oh, wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. True. Nope. <sighs> it was Wesley Snipes. Oh, my God. <laughs> Take a That's step. so funny. Yeah. You know, it's it's funny because Wesley Snipes is an awesome actor. Like, yeah. Fantastic. I love him in Tu Wong Fu. Oh, yeah. Um, so great acting yeah. chops there. However, I just cannot picture that role not having LeVar in it. I know, LeVar Burton. So as a kid, I think I knew LeVar Burton from reading Rainbow. For and sure. then I was like, oh, he's Jordy in, in Star Trek. I thought that it was his little brother. Did you? I did. Because mm-hmm. yes, I, I remember watching them kind of side by side. I'm sure it was like yeah. a rerun of Star Trek. Mm-hmm. But I remember like 
maybe in the same day even seeing. It just threw you off. Yeah. And so I was like, well, these that two can't be the can't. same person. Either. I also thought, so you know how I, I have a deep seated belief that most things that I watch are documentaries. Okay. <laughs> We've talked about this before. I Jurassic forgotten. Park is a documentary. Okay. All of these things are documentaries. Okay. Real Housewives, documentary. Well, that's arguable. Okay. So that comes from me being four years old. Okay. We are flying from either like Dallas-Fort Worth to Pennsylvania where my grandparents lived or the other way around. Mm -hmm. I don't remember which direction we were going. And we are, you know, walking through the airport Mm -hmm. to our terminal. And in our terminal is this woman, this black woman, who is in full-on next-gen. She's got like the red Mm -hmm. and black Thing, you know, her mm-hmm. little like insignia, which mm-hmm. I do a little, little nod star to today. Yeah, you have your yeah. little brooch on, yeah. And full on Klingon. Like. Full on Klingon, like all the forehead wrinkles. Yes. Yeah, she She's went for it. She's got the ridges. Yeah. All of that. Like just sitting there casually reading a book and it terrified the shit out of me. <laughs> and you could not, anytime someone, a grown up would be like, don't be scared of this thing. Yeah. It's just on TV. It's not real. And I'm like, I'm not falling for that one because I have proof. Like, I've seen a Klingon. Yes. That that shit that happens in this box that you guys watch, it exists in the real world. <laughs> I wasn't scared of her. I wasn't scared of Klingons. I was scared of now suddenly the implications. Okay. That everything that I see on this okay. screen. Is real. Actually exists in okay. real life. I was that, like the. That blew your it mind. It was like an existential crisis sort okay. of situation. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and I have not matured or let go of that view. I will hold to it. I like that you're still holding on to your four-year-old view of the world. Well, you know what? So are you. So That's fair. I'm, but I'm right about it. All right. Rachel rules. Final question. So. This is number five. Mm-hmm. Captain Kirk was not the first captain of the Enterprise in the show world. Okay. Like when they, when I say in the show world, I mean like when they broadcast on TV. Not saying that like in the story of Star Trek there was another captain. Prior okay. To, blah 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 blah. So you're saying somebody else was cast as the captain. There was another like a person. Different character. There was another character, another actor who was the first captain of Star Trek before they then switched over. Captain Enterprise, sorry, on Star Trek. Before they switched over to William Shatner as Captain But Kirk. then this would not have aired. This would have been something. Maybe it did. Maybe it didn't. I don't know. You tell me. I don't know. Um, True. That is true. Did But it didn't air? It did air. So on the original it pilot. It air. Oh, yeah. my God. So on the pilot, it was a person called Captain Pike who was in the pilot. Um, and then they quickly switched over to a different actor, William Shatner, and went with Captain Kirk. But in some of the recent movies, they bring up the character of Captain Pike. Again, like very like kind of small little like little just a little wink, nugget wink for and the nod. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's like the super fan. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. So how did you do on our quiz? I think I aced it. I think you got five. It's nine questions, so it cannot be a tie. So okay, so you got five. So you won. Oh my God. I feel like I did producer and Gail Proud. I and think you did. Yeah. <sighs> I think you can Such call a yourself a Trekkie now or a Trekker. Mm. Some people find Trekkie derogative. So they Trekkie like Trekker. sounds like a word that people used to use for transgender people. Okay. So that does have a negative connotation say, in like, my trekker mind. Trekker sounds like someone who goes like off-roading and then on long hikes in the woods. And I don't identify with that either. No. <laughs> no. Surprisingly. No. However, I... 
I am the next generation. You are. So tell me about your outfit today. So today. It is Star Trek inspired. Thank you. Yes. Yes. I'm wearing black high-waisted pants. Yes. With cute little like side gold buttons. A little military inspired. Kind of, yeah, like a yeah. little bit like a, like, like a naval flare. Yeah. You know? And a very deep kind of camel turtleneck. I love the turtleneck. Yeah. Getting very in our uniform kind mm-hmm. of vibe. I've got my beautiful ruby and silver brooch mm-hmm. to be my Starfleet insignia. My Starfleet insignia. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to have a necklace. Can't Obviously. not have a necklace. This is the most Star Trek necklace that I had. It was just kind of like fun. It is like, kind of futuristic. Like stained glass ish yeah. kind of yeah. I could see you like being on the Enterprise and you stop at some alien world and you're like, I like your jewelry and you like just purchase the necklace from mm-hmm. them. Yeah. And then my Borg ear. Yeah, I love the Borg ear. It, it's, but it's like it's like glam Borg. It is very glam Borg. Which I would love to see you in that aesthetic. <laughs> <laughs> glam Borg. All oh the my time. god. That would be such a great con outfit. Oh, be like gosh, yeah. Borg. All right, new dragon like con idea. Like I'm a Borg, but I'm also a figure skater. I love it. Let's do it. <laughs> just like hold this skate like tied over your shoulder on your finger. Just, yes. Like, walking around. High pony. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we will need to get you extensions. Yes. I don't think we can pull your hair into a high pony as is. Maybe try harder before we... Okay, let's that. go try right now. Let's end the podcast and try. So let me tell you what I am wearing, the shirt I am wearing. Okay, yes. Can I describe it? Yes. For you? Can you read it? So it says Band Books Club, and then there's a beautiful illustration of an open book, with kind of the pages flared with flames and hearts because mm-hmm. Rachel loves banning books and burning them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it says... Advocates for Intellectual Freedom. Yes. So this shirt is in honor of LeVar Burton. Love it. Yes. So That's a nice homage. It is. I do, I do what I can. That makes me feel warm inside. Yeah. So I really deeply loved reading Rainbow as a mm-hmm. child. And I really did love him as Jordy too. Like I would put a headband, you know, like the late 80s, early 90s, very thick, poofy headbands. Yes. I would do the same thing. I would put them over my eyes and then inevitably walk into shit. I did the same thing. I would steal my mom's headbands, yes. but she she didn't have the poofy kinds. It was the the big like you remember Plasticky. like turtle shell yeah. kind of mm-hmm. yeah tortoise shell. It was like that, but it has the spikes inside, so I had to be very careful and like. And then I would always be like walking around afterwards with these indentations oh, yeah. on the side of my head, yeah. yeah, which I would then pretend was just like my alien markings. Oh, of course, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so LeVar Burton, of course, host of Reading Rainbow, he recently had a video come out in light of all the book bands, basically kind of doing kind of an homage to Reading Rainbow of him, like, reading different books and then pausing and be like, well, nope, this book was banned because it talks about race or this book was banned because it talks about or not even talks about but has, like, gay characters in it. And then him coming at the end of the skit, coming to the realization of, like, you know what, just read whatever you want. I like, love that. Read the banned books Man. because they're the good books. Yes. That's so, so wonderful. This is an honor of LeVar Burton, yeah. You know, you can actually stream Reading, Reading Rainbow, Rainbow right now. Like, it's free on a lot of platforms. Oh, I, I will absolutely do that after we record today. Um, Fact Checker and I have watched Reading it's Rainbow so comforting. as adults. It's I very know. comforting. Even the formatting of it is just so yeah. wonderful. Yeah. I loved it. And the best theme song in the world. Yes. Yeah. Instantly recognizable. Yes. So let's talk a little bit more about the okay, wine. Okay, are you getting other notes? Because I am let's not. Let's go into it. I think that it's a little bit young. I think it's... It has this not would be matured. A, this, yes, this mm-hmm. wine would be a little bit more complex if we had actually waited the recommended time. We were, we're not we're going not to do that, We're not going to do that, though. no. Honestly, to make your wine sooner. 
So we could have tried <laughs> You should it. have made this wine 10 years ago. You should have. Picard, come on. What the fuck? <laughs> also, time and space and all that shit that we right, just explained. Right, you could figure it out, like, right? Yeah. We explained it really well. Just go back, do it out of order, and then make this in my glass 10 years older. Right. Let's, I don't see why that's a problem. No, oh, I think he actually did. No. I'm getting more cherry notes. Yeah, there's a lot of cherry mm-hmm. to it. There's less of the soil and the umami. Which yeah, I, that, I'm disappointed that I'm not getting that in the taste. So as these wines tend to age, mm-hmm. you are going to start to see it turns into a balance situation. For those okay. of you who are not here standing in front of me, I, I have my hands kind hands. of moving yeah, on a vertical plane towards each other. Um, Look at you and your big words. So... One thing that the French really like to say, especially in Bordeaux, okay. about these blends mm-hmm. is that the Cabernet Sauvignon, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is what this is predominantly, uh-huh. is the structure of the okay. house. And the Merlot mm-hmm. is the decorations and furnishings. I like that. So you have to think about that as you're thinking about tasting this wine as well. And as it hmm. starts to age and mature, you see those things start to align where it's not just a you know, beautiful house from the outside. Mm. It's also a beautiful house. So would you say the Cabernet or the Merlot has let us down today? I think that it's a team effort. Okay. I sound like somebody doing like a sports recap. Yes. You know, it was, a, it was a team effort. I don't know. <laughs> so I would say this Looks is maybe God. not passing inspection right now. <laughs> I think that it's just, I, again, I think that it's just a little bit young because I can see the structure of what's supposed to be happening. It's almost like it's, I'm looking at the blueprints right now instead okay, of the okay. actual finished product. It's still under construction. Yes. Can we say that? Yes. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's bad by any means. No, it's it's a perfectly delightful wine and it's very indicative of what is to be expected from this region. Well, it's me, just not okay. quite actualized Let me ask yet. you a question. How much was this bottle? Because I don't remember. $60. I would say for the price points. Wait, was it 60 for two though? $30. Was it? Fact checker will check those facts. It was either 60 for one or 60 for two. <laughs> 60 for one. It's 60 for one. So I will say for $60, it's not where I want it to be Honestly, at all. Well, mm, I'm going to disagree with you there okay. because when you're buying a Bordeaux, uh-huh. you are planning on aging it. If you're paying, I am not. If you're paying $60 for something that was made in the last three to four years, uh-huh. then you are planning on aging it. If you're paying $60 for something that's already 10 to 14 years old. That's a bargain. It's a bargain and drink it right away. Okay. That's, so I think, so, I think the lesson here is that none of you who are listening have purchased us our house in Bordeaux where we can have our wine cellar to age these wines yet. So it's on you. So I actually learned a lot about Bordeaux. Tell me about Bordeaux and then I'll give you some more Star Trek facts. Okay, cool. So first of all, I thought one thing that's really interesting is mm-hmm. that during World War II, mm-hmm. it was a an Italian military base port. They had, okay. yes, they would launch submarines. It was like the main place to launch okay. submarines in France during the occupation mm-hmm. for the Battle of the Atlantic. Mm-hmm. And they constructed a bunch of like, you know, the pillboxes and beach fortifications mm-hmm. like they had on for like D-Day and stuff. Mm-hmm. Except because there were so many submarines there, it was extremely dangerous. Okay. And so the allies were just like, no, we're not going to, like, focus on that area. That's not where we're going to, like, storm a beach. There's fucking like U-boats everywhere. Easier. Yeah, exactly. It was. It was the easier place. Interesting. And as a result, all of those structures are still there. But hmm. unlike Normandy, they're not protected 
landmarks because they were never used. Interesting. Okay. So they're covered in graffiti. Kids go out there and like sit on them and smoke and like do all this. French teenager. So French, I know. But I thought that was really interesting. Also, that the buildings there, because the city is built on basically a a bed of limestone, Mm -hmm. a lot of the older buildings are made of limestone. And you, because the city was never bombed. Excuse me. Mm -hmm. All of these old buildings still exist. And so it goes back all the way from kind of really what you would think of typical. (coughs) Are you thinking about women producers again? Mm -hmm. It's making me sick. I'm so sorry. Think of think of a happy place. For men rule the world. (laughs) Okay, I'm good. You got me. You got me on track. Thank you. (laughs) So these buildings are all built of limestone, which is very porous. Mm. Which means that over the years, and especially once automobiles were introduced, they started to turn black. And so it's... <laughs> so Brian, sorry. Okay, you can't also be disgusted with the term black, because then we're going to have a completely different podcast. <laughs> it's the croup. <laughs> you need some Ipecac. Yes. Stat. I'm Okay. So anyway, when my when my bestie was over there, they were in the middle of doing this phase of going through and doing like super duper pressure washing of these buildings. Oh, okay. mm-hmm. And so you had part of the city that was super dark black and dingy yeah. grays, and then parts of it that were just sparkling white because they'd just been washed that is for the so first time. So satisfying to like pressure wash an old building. I, I mean, not be, for me to do the pressure washing. But, like, you should sit in a cafe and watch it. Yes, I would like to do that. Yeah. And, like, sip some yeah. nice wine and, like, eat some cheese and bread. Well, speaking of black versus sparkling white. Okay. Bordeaux has a very interesting history in terms of the slave trade. Uh-oh. It was a major slave trade port. That's not good. And shipping Bordeaux. to the Caribbean, where the French islands were, Mm-mm. was a major source of their wealth. So, like... The reason that Bordeaux is the beautiful, they call it the pearl of uh, France. The reason that it looks the way that it does and has so many gorgeous buildings is because it was built off of the wealth of these plantations and slave trade. But here's the thing. Okay. Turn it around. Unlike the South, where we live, Mm -hmm. South of the United States, where there are all these debates about whether or not we should be honoring these confederate soldiers and generals and landowners and slave traders they have done such an amazing job in bordeaux of Mm -hmm. acknowledging like you want to talk about oh this is our history this is our heritage great so let's start putting up statues of not just the abolitionists okay but the actual slaves themselves enslaved people okay it's amazing there's one so there were two brothers and it's funny because the people who are their ancestors who paid for this to happen are actually two winemaking brothers now. But hey. the their ancestors, who were brothers, mm-hmm. owned this slave named Matilde. Mm-hmm. And they shipped her to Philadelphia first mm. and then to the Caribbean, mm-hmm. where she ended up having several children through one of the brothers. Mm-hmm. Before ultimately being freed and becoming a major abolitionist figure herself. Mm -hmm. So these modern day brothers who were the ancestors of that man actually paid to erect this incredible, beautiful statue that is made by a Haitian woman who is they track down the descendant of 
So they're Matilde. Distant the, cousin, however many times. Yes. And the plaque on it tells the entire story, but it tells it in such a way that to me is very foreign because of how we whitewash things in America. Yeah. It doesn't say, oh, and then she had children with this man. She was in a relationship with man. It says, and then she was forced to have this man's children. Right. In like it makes it very clear yeah. this was rape. This was breeding. This was not okay. Right. And I just love that they, the entire city, they have so many museums mm-hmm. to the slave trade to make people aware. They have plaques everywhere that are like, this building exists because of the money of so-and-so. A slave trader who was responsible for the deaths of so many people. Like, they go all out. Yeah. It's very kind of Holocausty, which it should be, because that is a form of Holocaust. Genocide, yeah. yeah, absolutely. So would you say Bordeaux is very progressive in that way? Because yes. I know racism in France is still obviously a huge issue. And I think, I can't let's speak say, to like, the... race is a cultural construct, too. So, like, racism in right. the U.S. looks different than right. racism in other places. I can't speak to their everyday culture within Bordeaux because I've not been there and spent any time there. But from the things that I have read about the ways in which the city is very actively Mm -hmm. and visually projecting an anti-racist while still being historically accurate view of their past Mm -hmm. and what led to their present – I would say that's, for me at least, that's pretty progressive. I would, we don't yeah, have I, that I agree here. with you. Yeah, we, that's certainly something that is very foreign to the U.S., especially the southern mm-hmm. U.S. So cheers to Bordeaux. Cheers to Bordeaux. I think that's really wonderful. And it's such a great way to phrase the conversation because yeah. we, I mean, why are we still sitting here in 2022 having people tell us, well, that's my heritage. You can't take this statue of this slave owner down. And it's like, right. well, why don't we put that in a slave like slavery museum and also change the caption. Well, yeah, the there's, there's a lot to say about all of that. Do you want to hear something fun about Star Trek? I do. Let's kind bring of, it back to like, what kind of building <laughs> off on this well, point. That and that's, you have. that's one of the reasons that I thought it was interesting to bring up for today is because what we were How talking about. Was. Yeah. And, and so, the diversity and the yeah. diversity. So Nichelle Nichols, after the first season, she thought she was going to quit. She was at some sort of like, fundraiser banquet sort of dinner and someone said like oh there's someone here who wants to meet you she thought like oh it's just a star trek fan right guess who it was who wanted to meet her michelle obama no this is in the 60s so michelle obama was a very small person she could have still wanted to meet her though okay but not michelle obama it was martin luther king jr <gasps> yes he went up to her and thanked her for like oh my god being on star trek and saying like your show is Basically, one of the shows that I can sit down with my wife and our children, and we can all watch together as a family, and, like, you're serving as a uh, role model for my kids. That's so heartwarming And, and so wonderful. she decided to stay on the show after that. I love that. It's not incredible. You know, I, I don't want MLK to— MLK was a Trekkie. <laughs> or a Trekker. Or a Trekker. <laughs> I don't want to tell this story out of turn, so I'm not going to go into super detail, yeah. but our producer's wife, yeah. who has cosplayed as Nichelle Nichols in yeah. Star Trek many, many times— I think she was actually in cosplay as Uhura during this story, but she ran into her at one of the conventions we have here in Atlanta and got up the courage to go speak to her. And it, I'm not going to butcher the story, but it was a very wonderfully positive and emotional thing for both of them. And I just love that, you know, she's aware that she's such a, an icon to so many people, but that she, 
she keeps that humility and like she feels genuinely honored when people talk about what yeah. a difference that she's made. Well, in their representation lives. truly matters. And I think when you were talking about with Bordeaux, being able to acknowledge shitty parts of the past while trying to yeah. make the future better. Because it's not about ignoring it. No. We can't ignore those mistakes. No, we can't. But and I think that was one of the really cool things about Star Trek was the diversity in the cast. Like mm-hmm. it just it's like, you know what? In the 23rd century, which is where Star Trek was set, like, we've moved beyond these things like racism and things like that. And you know like, what it kind of reminds me of? And I, I would also love to know mm-hmm. from Dan Levy if mm-hmm. he was thinking about Star Trek when he wrote Shit's Creek. Mm. Because he talks about that in um, one of the documentaries about that yeah. show, where basically he was imagining a town in which homophobia Didn't just exist. doesn't exist. Yeah, it's like, just not a yeah, thing. It's just, it's just natural for people to be who they are. You yeah. cannot like somebody and you could have issues with people, but it's not going to be over that. Right. And I think he incorporated that so brilliantly. Mm-hmm. And I had never really put together how well Star Trek also does that in terms of yeah. racism. And they do bring up racism sometimes, especially like once Worf becomes... They do. So I think what was so really well done about Star Trek was that they bring up things that exist in our world and existed in the 60s and 80s and 90s and now. But they did it in a way it was like the people on the Enterprise interacting with this alien race. And like, if you could see in that context, like, well, that's stupid. Like, you can easily translate that idea. Like, well, yeah, racism is dumb because this person's a lovely person. So why would I make a generalization about this whole person's race and background? When they're perfectly fine and I'm realizing that and then, oh, wait, that's real life. Okay, now I get Yeah, yeah racism is dumb. Yeah, got it. Okay. I mean, that's why allegory I think is so important. Yeah. And not that this is satire, but that's one of the reasons satire works so well is once because you- Because it points out flaws you in make thinking. It, yeah, when you yeah. make an extreme about it right. and you're like, oh, no, that's terrible. And then you're like, oh, wait, but I'm kind of doing the same thing. Now, I will say that Gene Roddenberry had some weird ideas <laughs> about- what would and would not exist in the 23rd century. We already so, know underwear. Yeah. Well, that was Star Wars, but. Yeah, I, it was skin, also Star Trek. Ladies are still wearing the skin tight short skirts. Yeah. They definitely um, had nipple covers. I will say that. They did. But Gene Ronberry was very against the idea of men having chest hair. So they had to shave William Shatner's chest hair. But Leonard Nimoy refused to do it. So like it just became kind of a thing like, well, I guess Vulcans can have chest hair. But humans can't because chest hair would have been solved. Also, would have been solved? Was it yes. a problem? For Gene Roddenberry, apparently. It's an, oh, do you think he just couldn't? He had a weird thing he had, about, like, really patchy chest hair where maybe. he, like, couldn't? Well, he had a thing about, like, men's hair. So when Patrick Stewart was auditioning to be Jean-Luc Picard, he was obviously, like, this Shakespearean actor, very well-respected. Gene Roddenberry liked him, but he didn't want to cast him because he was bald. Yes. And he was like, in the 20th Hair is for the head, not for the chest. Basically. He was like, well, in the 23rd century, they would have solved male pattern baldness, so. Or maybe it's a fashion choice for him to be bald. Maybe. So they had Patrick Stewart come back and audition again, wearing a wig, still nail the audition in this very obvious way. And they're like, all right, we got to give the role to him, bald or not. And obviously he got the role without having to wear a wig. But isn't that nuts? That's really nuts. Yeah. I'm wiping my wine mouth off. I yeah. know that I have it bad. Do I have wine mouth? Just a little bit. Okay. Just touch. Well, you know what? I think in the 23rd century, wine they, mouth doesn't exist. Yeah. Well, <laughs> as long as we think it doesn't exist, it doesn't. Then it's true. Yeah. yeah. What's funny about Patrick Stewart is that I know that he's a British actor. He is mm-hmm. Sir Patrick Stewart. Yes. 
in my mind, he doesn't have a British accent. He just has a Patrick Stewart Patrick. accent. It is a little bit different than a lot of typical British accents, yeah. I'll say. It's very Patrick Stewart-y. And I love that, like, he always just does that whatever role he's in. Oh, he's yeah. Like, no, it's just... I'm, I'm <laughs> Down to American Dad. Like, yeah, he's like, no, that's just... I'm, I'm doing it. Yeah. Yeah. All it's right. Fun. You want to know anything else while you finish up your glass? Um, what you got for me? How much is um, Star Trek worth in money? Oh, right. In today's money or yeah, 23rd century money. money? Well, I cannot calculate into the future. It's got to be billions, right? Yeah. How many? 17. N- no. Over- 11. Close. 10.6 billion. I think I get points for that. Sure. Take a drink. If you were to watch all of the Star Trek shows, including like animated Can't series. Can't be done. Well, you, you can. Not within one lifetime. You can. Films. All of it. Nonstop. Like 24 hours a day. How long would it take you to watch all of it? 10 years. Nope. Nope. That's too much, Topher. <laughs> Seven months. No. Over You're, two, are you two doing weeks it? straight. Like no breaks. No breaks. No sleeping, no peeing, no breaks. To watch all the Star all Trek? All of it, yeah. That seems low. There's a lot of Star Trek out there. This is what an article online said, so okay, I'm trusting well, the internet. That, yeah, that's fair. I think <laughs> that we right. should put our listeners to the test with that. Like, Yeah, you, you guys, guys do w- it. Like, no pee breaks, no sleeping. No, make your... Well, we need to... For legal well, reasons, I guess, we need I guess to do something. it in shifts. Okay, yeah, you guys can take a break, yeah. I guess. But t- you have to start the stopwatch and then, like, pause mm-hmm. it, obviously. Well, no, I meant shifts, like, two people at a time. Oh, no, it's a one-person endeavor. Oh, okay. We will only subject one person. This is not a relay race. No. This is a marathon, not a relay race. That's right. That's the, that's the phrase. All right, final verdicts on this. Okay. I think that we're going to be different. Okay. Do you want to say at the same time or separately? We always say at the same time. I, maybe you want to mix it up. Yeah. Okay. Missionary only. Okay. <laughs> All right, one, two, three. Guilty. Not Guilty. Is Go it because you just, you didn't care for the wine? Um, yeah. yeah Even though it, it's your fault for drinking it before it was ready? I think it's their fault for not making it earlier. So I'm sticking, yeah, your fault, Chateau Picard. Okay, well, I am <laughs> shockingly anti-Rachel rules in this particular case. And I realize <laughs> our mistake. And I think this is a delightful wine. If you have self-control, you should get it and keep it for 10 years and then drink it. may not be alive in 10 years. I don't know what's going to happen. And if that's the case, make sure that you put it in your will to pass down to whoever it is. Not Topher. Definitely not Rachel. She doesn't deserve to taste it 10 years from now after that. (laughs) That's fair. I also am going to deliver a not guilty based on the character of Bordeaux, as we just explored. As well as the character of, maybe not Gene Roddenberry, but at least the Star Trek Family of characters. Fair enough. That's fair. I will agree with you on that point. I think the wine just let me down with the taste. Everything else I really appreciate about it. But yeah. All right. Well, (laughs) tune in. (laughs) I hope we made you proud. Topher's just Um, giving me a really mean look. (laughs) I'm just like, keep talking, bitch. mm -hmm. Tune in next time. And if you have any questions for us, make sure you reach out on Twitter. Nope. We're not on Twitter. Oh, I do that every time. Twitter Instagram. doesn't exist anymore. No, not in the 23rd century. Yeah. Instagram, Facebook, yep. TikTok. Yep. And Gmail. Gmail. Yeah. All right. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.